Let's begin with a word of prayer. <coughs> Blessed Lord Jesus, we give thanks and praise to you for the beautiful sunshine we reach 55 today. We thank and praise you for your mercy and your grace. We ask your blessings, O oh Lord, upon our study, both those who are in person and those who are around the country visiting with us via the YouTube um, uh, during the Zoom. We ask your blessing, O oh Lord, that you continue to grant us wisdom to understand the blessed joy of the gospel that is found in Daniel. Strengthen us through your word, O oh Lord, and enlighten us so that we might be a blessing to many. In your precious name we pray. Amen. We are, well, come on in, young lady, come on in. Uh, we are on our um, handout, page six. And then uh, question 11 is where we begin on our uh, handout. And the question is, who does Daniel proclaim the judgment is from? I'm not going to read the readings from the past because I think by now you all know it. But if you need to look at your chapter to help you, uh, this would be a great time to do so. Very good. It is the Most High, the true God, the God of all grace, the God of love. And it's very important to realize that because God loves us, he gives us discipline. Do I have handouts? I can print you one. Or do you want me to send it to you, uh, hard copy? Well, I thought maybe a couple people. They do have it, though. Oh, I was gone. Matthew. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I made... Okay. Um, we are on question 11 of page 6. of. Uh, so, um, Michelle answered the question, it is the Most High God, the true God of Israel, and I added the God of love. And I need to emphasize, even when we love we uh, do sometimes things that hurt, okay? You have children, and because you love them, sometimes you have to give them a little swat on the behind. Right, Sarah? Amen. Amen. Why do you do that? Is it because you hate them? Because I love them. Because you love them. And so the judgment is coming from the God of love, the Most High God, the true God, and it's a very important for us to understand this because the judgments are real. And had Daniel said, this is my judgment, it wouldn't have had that much effort or value compared to um, the um, emphasis that it comes from God. Okay? And so... Um, we never stop sharing the love of Jesus, but we impress upon people if they are doing something wrong to say this is wrong, okay? Like right now, the big thing is the transgender, okay? Well, if they come to our church and say, you have to do this, I says, you have to put me in jail because I can't do it. The government cannot tell me what to do when it comes to the faith. And so... When it comes to unbelievers, we have to emphasize it isn't me, it's the word of the living God. And this is what Daniel is doing. And I shared, I believe, last week 
with, with some of you who were with us, I said in one of my earliest visits, I went to visit this man in my previous congregation. And in my notes, the pictorial, there was no woman involved in the um, married or otherwise. So I walk in there and I'm visiting with him. And all of a sudden, this lady walks in and she is like about eight, nine months pregnant. And I'm kind of startled. She came up, you know, out of the bedroom. And I'm thinking, well, excuse me, young man, who is this lady? So, oh, he, this is my girlfriend. Okay, so we talk about it. Do you realize that you're living in sin? They're not married. They have a baby. Oh, yeah? I said, yeah. Not that I say so. Well, the next day, the father comes in and says to, who are you to tell my son that he's living in sin? Simply, I'm the messenger of God. Don't kill the messenger because he's delivering the message. And ultimately, they left the church. But it's important to communicate. It isn't my opinion because my opinion does not matter. Okay. What is important about this? Take a look at the um, discussion here. What is so important about this? Yes. <clears throat> Daniel is speaking, of course. So what is so important about that? Well, Daniel wants the king to know that he stands in he stands for the Lord. You mean Daniel? Yes, Daniel stands in the yeah, presence. He doesn't, I don't, he doesn't want the king to think that he is passing judgment, just like what you just said. Okay, true. He's the messenger. He is the messenger of God. Uh, the emphasis is that God is in total control. This judgment, a real. Here's the one thing that I really want to get you uh, to understand: when Daniel is speaking to the king. He's not speaking to him solo. He's speaking in the courtroom. So there are many people present to hear this condemnation of the king. It's kind of like in the public square. Because we do know earlier that he called all of the counsel that they have, the wise men and all of the terminology we use for them. Uh, so they were all present. But in this specific thing, God's judgment is revealed for the reason, the location, and what kind of judgment so that everybody who hears knows that God is in total control of everything. This is not by chance behind locked doors, but in the presence of all. So... God's power and control is made known to everyone in the kingdom, not just the king. Daniel, of course, ultimate thing is to communicate this to the king. And the reason for that, where the king goes, the people follow. Okay? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? If the king repents then the people will follow example. A good case in point is the book of Jonah. 
when Jonah went to Nineveh to proclaim, repent, the king was the first one. And then the whole city changed and repented. So when we talk about using the law, the law is applicable to all. Excuse me. God is in charge. Okay. 13. What hope is there for Nebuchadnezzar in the image of the stump? There can be a rebirth. Uh, speak louder so they can hear you. There can be a rebirth. Okay, there can be a rebirth. Explain what does that mean? Well, with a stump, even though you cut the tree down, with time, shoots will come up. Um, I garden. You got it. Okay. Where there is um, the stump, a shoot is going to grow up, right? Which means, literally, he still can retain the kingdom when he knows that heaven rules. The judgment is there, but it's not an eternal judgment yet. Okay? Um, even though uh, Daniel speaks on behalf of God, the judgment, but the judgment is, is not without mercy. I want you to make sure you understand that. God is still compassionate. God is still merciful, even though he judgment. The judgment has limits, but there is the stump over there. Okay? Uh, do me a favor and go to um, the, uh, the, I was going to say the gospel. Uh, go to Isaiah chapter 11 once. Isaiah, and I should have said the gospel because Isaiah is the fifth gospel. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. Either Michelle or Rose, uh, would you be kind to share, read to us uh, the Bible verse if it's not too much to ask? One of you be kind enough to do so. Yep, again. Okay, go ahead. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Bingo. So from the stump of Jesse, okay, there will come a shoot, right? That, of course, is speaking about Jesus Christ. That's a fulfillment. We call that a prophetic messianic prophecy about the coming Messiah, okay? From the stump of Jesse, because remember, Jesse is who? The father of? David, right? And Jesus is known as the son of David. So from the stump of Jesse, a shoot will come forth. So it's telling us, you know, even though there is a stump there, a shoot will come, a branch will grow. So we have that similarity over there. Um, 14. What is important about Daniel's focus words of your sin and your, your iniquities. Uh, you are right. Explain what you mean by his. The 
the king is guilty. Yes. Right. Uh, so uh, one of the things that as preachers we do, when we speak the gospel as well as the law, they're not, gener- they're not just generic. You know what I mean, generic? They're not just, okay, the law, you committed this. No, you specifically address the law precisely. But then you also use the gospel precisely. Case in point, my colleague, I won't say his name, wrote a sermon, and, and I, I, I read his sermons every week, and he sent me this sermon, and it was oozing with gospel. And I said to him, I said, dear brother, what is the law? Implied, he said, it doesn't cut it. You've got to use the law in its forcefulness. And then I started typing. Here are some of the law to match the gospel that you are saying. He wrote back, says, thank you for opening my eyes to the clarity of the law. You cannot just speak generality, okay? I love you, right? So now I'm talking to all of you. But if she was my wife and I said to her, I love you, that's a different thing than I love you all, okay? That's specific. We do speak generality, but we also have to speak the pointedness of the guilt. And with Daniel's word, he does not sugarcoat the word, you are the man, okay? We talked about that in Second um, Samuel 12, where David blows it up. He sleeps with Bathsheba, kills her husband, she gets pregnant, and here comes the piper, right? He blows the music and say, you demand. I thought that was drilled into your head at the seminary. What? That you always had to preach law and gospel. We, they always do, but there are that there are those brothers who just. They think people are going to get mad at. Well, I don't. I don't know if that's people, the reason. I mean, I I don't know, you know, because I've shared from the pulpit. This is not my opinion. You've heard me say this before, and I said, "What well, was it?" I don't know, a week ago or maybe two weeks ago, I said, you know, sometimes I say something from the pulpit and people are offended and they walk away, right? That's not my problem. I am just a messenger of God, both the law and the gospel. And we do in our church compared to other churches. That is so very clear. But sometimes if you've had two or three funerals in a week, if you were dealing with marriage problem for couples, miscarriages, and you are just running here and there, and you try to get a sermon done. Your mind isn't as sharp. This is why since almost, yeah, 20 now, 20 years, every sermon I have written, I shared with a colleague of mine, and every sermon he has written, he has shared with me. And sometimes he says, this is nothing but crap. We are so trusting each other. Well, I mean, he says, I know what you're trying to say, but this is not how you say it. But that's build respect. Mm -hmm. I trust that he's doing this for my good. The same things he trusts that I'm doing the same things. And we always say, take the good and throw the bad away. You know, take the best that we got. So when we think of Daniel, 
Daniel's emphasis is to convict the sinner to turn away from his sin. Okay? Uh, A good example to compare that is in John 8. Do you know the story in John 8? Which, of course, is a double story within a story. Uh, They bring a woman to Jesus who was caught in the act of adultery. Okay, the first question I want to know, what happened to the guy? If she was caught in the act, where is the guy? How did they let him get away? They caught her, but they didn't catch the guy. That's number one thing. But then they bring her to Jesus, right? And he's sitting on the floor, and everybody takes a stone because that's what the law is. If you committed adultery, you're going to be stoned, right? And Jesus never looks at them. He's writing on the sand. And he finally says to the people over there, anyone who is without a sin, let him throw the first stone. And one after the other, they all leave. He looks at her. And he says, where are your accusers? She says, none are here. He says, go and sin no more. The conviction of the law is there. She has been caught. He knows her sin. He says, I don't condemn you, but quit it, right? The conviction of the sin from Daniel to the king to say, you are the sinner. You've done this. You're arrogant. You're egocentric. You are selfish, you are sinful, repent before it is too late. No wishy-washy, no sugar-coating. So, you know, that is um, something to take into consideration. Um, Ultimately, ultimately, of course, every pastor wants to do that, is to say to the sinner, please, this is detrimental if you don't turn away from God. Ultimately, you have to face judgment. I was at the district office today visiting with Pastor Seiler for about 20 minutes and we talked about some people don't want to hear it. You know, you get some pastors who are able to minister to those who love them back but are not willing to minister to those who don't share their enthusiasm, okay? So it's very, very good to us to remember um, the messenger never sugarcoats, says it like it is, and go from there. And so it is very helpful for us. What image comes to mind with the word break from? What image comes to mind. You can read the text. What image? And I need you to discuss here. And if you want to take a look at the second, at the second um, question which follows, and we talk about discussion here, uh, that follows, maybe that will help you connect more emphatically. I always think of like a ball and chain. And you know, the chain is connected to your hand. 
and you're breaking away from it. Very good. And so the image is breaking from letting go of something that's holding you, right? Now, um, what was the king holding onto? What was the sin of the king, if we can just... Um, pride, I'd say. Bingo. Pride. He was arrogant because he said, behold, you know, look at the kingdom. I made this, right? If you go to the scripture above... Um, so he, he's talking about himself. Behold, how strong... Babylon is, and uh, he made it, and uh, all of these things, right? So, uh, what is important for us uh, is to realize, uh, and I like your analogy, St. Michel, by saying that Uh, to break away. Um, How many of you guys know what is the actual definition of repentance? What is the... Huh? To turn away. Okay? So, uh, repentance is turning away. So, if I was heading north and I repent, I begin to head south. Right? That's repentance. And I shared this with you before about St. Augustine. And if you guys remember what I said about St. Augustine, St. Augustine was an African theologian. We call him one of the early fathers of the faith. Uh, He was baptized at age 33. Before he became a follower of Jesus, uh, he had uh, his favorite prostitute. He even had a son out of wedlock with her. But then he was convicted of sin and became a follower of Jesus and was baptized at age 33. And so one day he's walking down the market and he sees her coming towards him. As soon as he sees her, he turns around, he goes the other, other direction, and she hollers at him, Augustine, Augustine, it is I. Without turning around, he says, but it is no longer I. That's breaking from. You get away from that. Um, Yesterday, yeah, yesterday, I was at the county jail. (coughs) Um, Some of you remember that I came across after her terrible car accident. I met a young lady by the name of Randy. You've heard me preach about her and talked about her. Anyway, she got herself in trouble. She was in the county jail and she committed a federal crime. So I was there yesterday, and she said, well, I have my court hearing on the 9th of this month. I says, I'll be there. And she says, I probably will be out January the 15th. And I said to her, Randy, the one thing you gotta do is you gotta break away from the friends you have. And there was that look on her face. I says, I know it's gonna be hard, But if you go back to the same friendship you have, you're going to be back here again. So I don't want to get back here. I says, you know what to do. I says, I will help you as much as I can, 
but you have to let go of the past, friends. And it's hard to let go when they make you feel so good. And she says, I still have the urges. You know, she, gets, she can get high. But I says, Randy, you can't do this. I talked to the, to the guy that hit my car. Yep. And um, I had a good conversation with him. He's, um, he was in prison for selling meth, he told me. And he said, now he's, he, I, he said, I've changed my friends. I said, good for you. Turn, you know, turn around, go the right direction, hang with the right people, and, and um, you know, encouraged him. And, and he said that um, he went to church when he was little. And, and I said, well, you know, I said, um, that's a good place to find some new, new friends. And he said, I've read the Bible. And I said, well, now's the time to start again, you know. Yep. He's really making a turn. I was so well, God, I mean, God calls people to repentance. Yeah. I mean, think of Zacchaeus. Uh, let's go to 16, which is kind of somewhat following. How is repentance breaking from? I, I kind of answered it, but I want your input. How is repentance like breaking from? Don't be bashful. How is repentance like breaking from? Well, if it means to turn from, you're turning from what is holding you, but there's a freedom on the other side. It brings you closer to God. Very good. Um, Michelle's analogy of the ball and chain, you have to let go of the ball that is connected to the chain, right? Sin is like a ball and chain. So you have to cut that out of your heart and to let go of it so that you can be free, right? And that freedom comes when you let go. Because if you always do the same things, you're going to end up with the same results, right? Unless you break from that habit, okay? Let's just use this analogy uh, example, not analogy, an example. So I like to drive fast. I'll just admit that right now. So every time I'm leaving here, I'm driving 78 miles an hour. I'm just joking. This is just, boy, her face turned right. Because I saw a cop the other No, no, no. So let's just assume for the sake of, okay, let me. So I'm driving 78, and before too long, the guy that's sitting up in the front about three miles, the lights come on. So he catches me, right? He gives me a warning, Pastor Noor. What's going on? Just stupid. Second time. Pastor Noor, what's going on? The third time, says, Pastor Noor, follow me to the jailhouse. Okay? Breaking from is you say, I've learned my lesson and I'm walking away. That's what it means to have repentance, to move away from this activity. Okay? You have a question? You've got that look on your face mm -mm. or smiling. Well, to me, it's like... you got to speak louder so they can hear losing, you. Losing, you're no longer tempted by that. It's kind of like if you, if you truly repent and turn and, and go to the Lord for strength, the Lord helps 
helps us break from Satan's temptations so we're not lured into that. Very true, but you cannot say you will never be tempted again. No, Tempta- I mean, I mean, I mean if it isn't one thing, it's another. I know, but because Satan, wa- Satan will never give up. He's like a hyena chasing you. He never gives up. And when you master one thing, he challenges you on the other. Some people may be um, tempted with alcohol. Some with drugs. Others with pornography. Others with gossip. Others with lust. Others with work. Whatever the temptation is. And no one is the same. But that's how we break from the habit to say, Lord, I can't do it on my own. you got to help me. But by the same token, once... Once I've, I've been able to break free from one thing, it helps me, it, it reminds me that I can break through from another thing. Oh, absolutely. You are right on the... I don't know if you guys, uh, gals heard her. Catherine said, if she breaks from one thing by the grace of God, she's able to break from another. That's true because we have the power in us. You know what uh, Philippians 4.13 says, right? I can do, say it out loud. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right. right. I can't do it on my own, but I can do it through Christ who strengthens me. And I've used this before in a sermon a long time ago, Corey ten Boom. You remember the story, the hiding place? Okay, the man that put her in jail and gave her misery became a follower of Jesus. So he comes to the prison where she's at, and says to her, I am sorry for the anguish and the pain. I would ask you to forgive me. And she says, I can't, but I'm asking Jesus to take my hand to reach out to you. That's forgiveness. I can't do it. The hatred is so difficult and so bitter that she says, only by the grace of God, he takes my hand and extends it to you. Okay? That's when you break from these things. The temptations are there, but by God's grace, we can do all things which strengthens us. Okay. What does the action of showing mercy to the poor have to do with repentance? And does this mean Nebuchadnezzar is saved by works? We are not saved by works. So why is showing mercy to the poor have to do with repentance? Why is that? You mean the king is no greater than anyone else? Okay. Anyone else? I didn't say it wrong. Don't say it. I didn't say it's wrong. Don't, don't think that way. Does it have anything to do, I mean, at this point, Jesus was not there and did not say love your neighbor as yourself, but it does, does it have anything to do with taking care of your neighbor? 
Well, actually, the scripture is clear. You, already in Exodus, you are to take care of the stranger. Well, okay. it, sh- it would show that he, he, he hasn't had mercy on any people before. I mean, connected, to the, connected to the gospel. Because You're getting close. You're getting close. Both of you, say it again. I said because the Lord is showing mercy to him. The Lord is showing mercy because the Lord could have uh, toasted him, right? Yeah. To show mercy to the disadvantage and to the poor, say, I still care about you. Okay? Mm-hmm. God in mercy demonstrate he still cares about you and he is generous towards you. Okay? Uh, let me just read my notes. Of course, we talked about you cannot be saved by your works. The cure by which sin can be removed is God's gift of imputed righteousness. We are counted righteous by Christ's merits, right? This gift would bring about a change of attitude that would be demonstrated by caring for the poor and disadvantaged. Think of Jonah. As wicked as they were, right? I I called them the ISIS of the Middle East at that time. And yet God showed mercy. And in that mercy, he won their hearts. Right? So, you can apply it to many facets of lives today, people's lives today. Do you win people through acts of mercy or do you win them through act of hatred? Yeah, through acts of mercy. You guys have a great proverb in English. Can you think of the proverb? You can catch a lot of flies with honey rather than vinegar, right? Mercy trumps judgment and affliction, right? Mercy is who God is. We talked about that this past Sunday, right, in my sermon. The mercy of God is revealed. That's what we have. And here is a question for you to consider personally. As you look at the next question, 18, By showing mercy to the poor, who would Nebuchadnezzar be mirroring? Who is the king mirroring? Bingo! Way to go, Sarah! He is reflecting the mercy of God, right? Um, Let's, uh, for a moment, just stop right there and go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and these are called the blessings, or they're called the Beatitudes, literally in the Greek, it's the blessings, okay?
Okay? I want you to look at verse 7. And we can look at all of them, but the key verse I want is verse 7. Patsy, you want to read that for us, please? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Okay. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Because the king has received mercy, God expects him to show mercy to the poor and needy. And Catherine caught on to that early, because what would he do? Uh, We talked about, yeah, he was an angry dude, right? He didn't care when he asked the people who were um, turning up the heat on the stove where they put the little young men from Israel, those uh, soldiers out there who were uh, putting wood to make it hotter seven times, they died. It didn't, he didn't bat an eye on those. He was uncaring, unloving, unconcerned about anything. But in the hope of, through this is to say, hey, you have tasted mercy. Now have mercy on someone else. You'd think the people in that court would be glad Daniel and God were working on that thing. You know, because it would be better for them. Well, yes and no, but they were just as wicked. You remember, they were the ones who went and told about Daniel. He's not worshiping the image, right? They were watching him. No, when you work, when you serve the devil... You don't have a care for or concern for anyone else, okay? Yeah. Uh, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. In this act, they demonstrate the mercy of God. We who have tasted God's mercy and God's grace can do no less. Okay. Uh, Staying in Matthew... And then I want you to look at Matthew 19, 16 through 21. What evidence of repentance that Jesus issued to the rich man who wanted to follow him? And we'll, we'll conclude with this one. What things did he say to him? Matthew 19. He would have to give up everything. Very good. Um, That's part of the answer. What's the other part of it? Obey the commandments. Uh, Part of it. There's more. There's more. love for money? Uh, Specifically true. How was he, um, according to Jesus' word, how was he called to repentance for that? What was he supposed to do? Sell all the stuff that he possessed. Yeah. Give all that you have to the poor. 
Okay? Correct? You said give all, right, Catherine? Mm-hmm. I was specifically saying just give it to the poor. Okay. Oh, I was just—I guess I was just saying he'd have to give it up. But he has to give it away. Give it away. Yeah. Okay, to give it up, he could get it back. But to give it to the poor, they're going to dispense of it, right? Use it. What was Jesus trying to teach this young uh, person? By the way, so that you know who this person is, we do know who he is. Actually, he is Saint Mark. Really? Really. We do know that for a fact. It is St. Mark who ultimately does give everything and becomes a follower of Jesus. At this moment, he isn't, but later on, he does. Okay. Now, uh, what the Lord Jesus was trying to teach um, this rich young man, he had an idol, and the idol was his wealth. Uh, Michelle caught that early. The idol was wealth, and Jesus said to him, you got to get rid of your idol. you got to crush it, because that's a first commandment thing. And when uh, the Lord talks about the second table of the law, here are the commandments, do all of these things. So which ones? I've done them all, right? No, you haven't, because he had broken the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Whatever that God may be, you cannot put, not your husband, not your wife, not your church, not your car, whatever. That's where the crushing, the blow of God to this man, and at that moment, he's not quite ready to do this. So... Uh, Matthew is really um, realized Matthew gave up everything, right? What was Matthew? What was his? He was a tax collector. So he was in the, he was digging in the gold and the silver all the time. And we are told when God called him, said, Levi, leave everything behind. He got up. You talk about repentance and faith. I don't know if I could do that. Just wait till Sunday, because I'm going to blow you away with one question. You always do this to us. You always do do this on Wednesday. Oh, you just wait. I got this video. I got this one. (laughs) Oh, well. What can I say? That's just the way I am. All right. Any question? I'm going to stop right here. <coughs> Excuse me. Any questions or comments? You got my text. I need to, to leave earlier tonight, right? Okay. Let's pray. <coughs> I have no idea. Let's say the, common, uh, let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Michelle, one question. When do you come back? This Saturday. 
Okay. All right.